1: Is it a dynasty now?
0: Yeah, it's the start of
2: one. We're not done. I know we're going to celebrate tonight, celebrate the Pride Wednesday, at Kansas City, but we're not done. We got a young team. We'll keep this thing going.
1: Welcome back. It's Mullen Haw, Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The score. Molly out today. Hope he's feeling better. Patrick Mahomes saying the right thing the way he always does. You know the answer to that question is a no. Winner, you can't win that one. If you say no, who's going to say no? Then if you say yes, you're like, oh, yeah, just wait. You're not not the Packers of the 60s yet. Oh, wait, the, the, the Patriots won six. He had the right answer. Start of one. And it is a start of one. Three and five years qualifies as a dynasty. I think that in today's modern sports threshold, he's right. The Blackhawks won three and six years here. and We were, you know, going gaga. Over a hockey team. And then we were right to, entitled to. So Patrick Mahomes winning his third Super Bowl in five seasons. This is the beginning of a dynasty. He is on his way to becoming, if he's not already, the best quarterback ever. Ever. 312, 644, 67 What'd you think of the game? Did you like it? it started slow. A lot of your texts. If you go back and you look at your texts from the first half to your buddies, if you weren't with them or your friends or your family, like you, there was a lot of like, okay, when's, when does this get started? This is the Super Bowl, right? It felt a lot like November. It's like a nondescript game. Fumbleitis early. McCaffrey fumbles. Pacheco fumbles. Then it's like, what's going on here? And then how about the weirdest play of the game? If I had to say, what is the weirdest play of Super Bowl 58? Which was it? It was a play that there wasn't even a time snap. Dre Greenlaw running out onto the field, getting ready to go, stop the chief offense. He, he goes down, non-contact injury. Greenlaw going out of the game affected the 49ers defense. Don't even think twice about that. That's not even going out on a limb. He's a player, and he was lost, and he got he got – Eliminated from competition with a non-contact injury. Torn Achilles. Ouch. Terrible, terrible injury. On that field, too. The irony. They come into the week complaining about the practice field conditions. They get onto this Allegiant Stadium turf. State-of-the-art building. And they lose a guy who, what happened? Did his cleat get stuck? What happened? It just—you can't see these things coming. So, lot to talk about, depending on what direction you want to go. Hey, if you're the Bear, if you're a Bears fan and you want to strain to see some microscopic evidence of a takeaway, it's there. You can see it. Zoom in real close. And you know what you see? You see a Chiefs team whose defensive coordinator rose up and a defense that made the championship possible, and you saw an elite quarterback make everything else, everything else, a moot point. 49ers had a better roster. 49ers had more talent. 49ers had more weapons. They had better depth. They had everything that you need when you're building a football team from a general manager perspective. 1 through 53, check, 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 check. Go down. They're better than the Chiefs, except for quarterback. So the takeaway from the Bears, if you want to apply it to this offseason, is lean into the elite quarterback idea. Look at your defense. You think it could be good enough to get you to the stage, to the big stage one day. Do you think the quarterback one day can get you to the stage Has he passed the confetti test? That's what it's all about. Don't tell me how you're going to take the North. Tell me how you're going to celebrate a Super Bowl. That's what it's all about. So if your takeaway is, yeah, well, you know, well, it means that, you know, all these things, the reports, and, and Ian Rappaport said this, and Adam said, no. Step back. Take a deep breath. Chiefs won because of the defense, sure, but because they had an elite quarterback. And that's what you need to win in the NFL, to win a championship a Super Bowl championship in the NFL. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Let's go out to the phone lines. Paul is in Palatine. Good morning, Paul. Welcome to Molane Haw.
2: Hey good morning, David. How you doing? Good. Good hey, just like you kind of said, I thought the, you know, the first two quarters yesterday were, let's just say, lacking in offense and everyone was texting their buddies. Uh but honestly I think the third, fourth and fifth were probably some of the best quarters in the last 10 to 15 years you never you really never knew who was going to win the game I mean you felt like KC could do it but at times San Fran and Purdy and those guys look like they could have put it away and, and like you just mentioned with that Greenlaw injury if he doesn't get injured mm-hmm. he's probably covering Kelsey and watching Mahomes on some of those runs that could have really changed the uh the back half of the game. He would have been out there maybe and stopped a couple of those plays, could have changed the course of the game and tilted it San Fran's way. It was really, um, I think, an impactful injury that could have changed the outcome.
1: Paul, that's a great call. Losing Greenlaw in the second half, I think, had a huge impact on the inability to have your defense hole. And Travis Kelsey... After some halftime adjustments, and he roughed up Andy Reid or whatever he did and whatever he said, Maybe, if he may if he did that in, in in the view of the public. What do you think he did behind closed doors? Goodness sakes, berated the coach probably. Travis Kelsey got open in the second half. He caught nine passes overall, and I think eight of them were in the second half because he had one at halftime, and he ends with nine for ninety three. That was good work. Greenlaw was out, and. It's a great point about Mahomes getting it done with his legs when he needed to because fourth and one, balls at the Chiefs 34, 6.05 left in overtime. What happens? Yeah, Patrick Mahomes with the run pass option keeps it for eight yards. Okay, let's go later in that drive. It is third and one from the 49 or 32 out of the shotgun. Third and one, of course, Matt Nagy's going to call for the shotgun. Yeah, I remember him, Matt Nagy. B you, too cute. Those are the two things I remember with Matt Nagy. I'm happy for Matt Nagy getting his second Super Bowl ring. He landed on his feet. That is falling upward. That is falling upward after his Bears tenure fizzled, and he, now he has two Super Bowl rings back-to-back seasons. Third and one, Chiefs out of the gun. Who does that? I guess they do. You know why? Because they have Patrick Mahomes, 19 yards on a scramble. He leads the team in rushing. He throws 46 passes and completes 33 of them, 34 of them, for 333 yards. So, yeah, do whatever you want when you have that guy, I suppose. But the running plays were made possible, perhaps made easier, because Greg Greenlaw was not on the field for the 49ers. The do everything linebacker who's made some key plays in the clutch left the game with the popped Achilles. And a non-contact injury on the turf. 847. You guys are delusional. Thank you. The Chiefs traded up for Mahomes after winning their division twice in a row. The Bears aren't even close. Nobody said the Bears are close. I said that the Bears are far apart. It's a long way to go between there and Chicago. Long way between Kansas City and Hallis Hall. But you got to start somewhere. Definitely have to start somewhere. Let's go back out to the phone lines. And Michael is on the south side. Michael, thank you for waiting. Welcome to Moline Hall.
2: Yeah, there's one thing that uh, people haven't. I mentioned that one time. All, I mean, I never mentioned it. What about the, uh, the kicking game when the guy, the ball hit the guy in the leg and gave him basically gave him seven points
1: on the 12 yard line. You remember that? I do remember that. I mentioned it to Brad Biggs. Appreciate the phone call, Michael. It was huge. Special teams. You could argue did in the 49ers because they had the punt that hit off the uh, back leg of Luter. You had the blocked PAT from Moody, and those are two big plays on special teams that they go another way. It, it, well, let's face it: if you don't have the muff punt, that that was just a gimme, and then the. The blocked PAT changed the complexion of everything else that happened after. If it's 17-13, Chiefs aren't kicking a field goal. The Chiefs are not kicking a field goal. They're going for it on that fourth down instead of letting Harrison Butker tie it at 16 apiece. That that would have been a really good test, but we never got to find out because it was unnecessary. Because it was fourth and six at the 49 or six-yard line with 549 left, 16-13, Niners lead. If it's 17 13, what do you think Andy Reid does there? What do you think Andy Reid does on fourth and goal from the sixth down 17 13 with five minutes and 49 seconds left in the Super Bowl? I think he probably goes. Don't you? Do you think that he would kick the field goal to try to get the ball back in today's you know, analytics driven fourth down fuel, Dan Campbell? influence society? Don't you think he would have gone for it? Probably. Probably. Doesn't, doesn't matter though. It doesn't matter because Moody got the low kick blocked and the rookie going to have to live with that. I just like to be Jake Moody. Is it Jake Moody. Kick three field goals in the Super Bowl and you're going to be remembered for a miss PAT. I mean, you have a pretty good year by all accounts.
4: Yeah, set a record at one point in the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah. For longest field goal ever made. How long did that last? Like an hour? Well, that's the thing.
4: Every time the 49ers did something, the Chiefs had an answer for it.
1: Jake Moody broke a 30-year-old Super Bowl record only to have it top 30 minutes later. Not his night, kid. Sorry about that. What if
4: Robbie Gold would have been the kicker for the 49ers still?
1: It's, if, you're, if you're sitting there in Chicago watching this game last night, it was impossible not to wonder that. I, mean, I wonder Gold, if he was wondering that. Oh, you, I know that he was wondering that. Don't you? Does he make?
4: Does he make the fifty-five yarder though? Does he still? Does he have enough? Like, probably not.
1: That's right? probably that's probably true. That's a good so, point. Yeah, there were reasons why I think they probably moved on from Robbie, and probably reasons why Robbie didn't um, end up on an NFL roster. I, I do not want to. Uh, I don't know the reality of of what he had left and why they moved on. But I know that if you're Jake Moody, you feel very good about your rookie year. But it's going to be difficult to live that one down because you made Super Bowl history, but you also mm, missed an extra point that is going to haunt you in the offseason. 6-3-0. Kickers really defined the playoffs this year. You need a good one. That's why the Bears invested in Cairo Santos. They've got a good one. They're paying for it. It's worth your investment. There's no doubt about that. Kickers matter, too. Kickers are people, too. Darn it. Who's mocking kickers around here? Don't do that. They're too important. Let's go back to the phone lines. Larry is on the west side. Larry, welcome to Haw. Hello there. Good morning. Good morning. morning. We're all talking about Caleb Williams, but we forgot about Washington's Michael Pence. Straight up, throw a
2: bullet, run, read, release real fast, and a leader, and, and something that you need to. And, he, and then you've got them both on rookie contracts, him and Justin. So you've you got a backup for Justin.
1: If it do not work with Justin, and you've got Washington uh, Pitt that we know can work with him because he's going to work with it because he, he plays football. Thanks, Larry. Appreciate the phone call. Don't agree. Not at all. I, I mean, I'm just, just being honest. I, I don't think the Michael Penix Jr conversation is one that's going to last very long in Chicago could be a really good player in the NFL still don't know even where he's going to go he had a very disappointing week at the Senior Bowl from what reports indicate Caleb Williams is there for the taking right now two weeks before the NFL combine he's still considered the consensus number one prospect as you heard from Ian Rappaport in his NFL network Report over the weekend or NFL.com. The league is reporting the Bears would need a historic haul if they want to trade that pick. That means they're open for business, but you're going to have to blow them away. I don't think you're going to blow them away. I think that you're going to find the Bears, listen to offers. If it's the Commanders, I don't pick up the phone. Not really that interested in moving down one spot. Do you really want to watch – imagine this, people. I know I'm getting carried away with Caleb Williams. People can, 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 you know, have their opinions. But right now, he is the consensus number one pick. Do you want to take the risk of missing on another quarterback like the one you just saw win his third Super Bowl in five years? I'm not saying that Caleb Williams is going to do that with his NFL team, but he – It's not a reach to think that he can lead a team to a Super Bowl championship. And forget about three in Chicago. Wouldn't you take one? My God, they have three parades in Kansas City in the last five years. You'd kill for another Super Bowl in this city. Look, we're still celebrating 85. You know how long ago that was? It's crazy. So who cares about three Super Bowls? Get the guy that's going to help you get one. That's not Michael Penix Jr. I don't think it's Justin Fields. It could be Caleb Williams. It really could be. So that's why you are looking at that draft this way. That's why you want a historic haul if you're going to move down. But you don't really want to move down. You want to stay there because you can't risk the fact that somebody else is going to move up there and the Washington Commanders, with the first overall pick, take Caleb Williams and th- Three years later, four years later, five years later, he's passing the confetti, confetti test in the nation's capital. Come on. Don't think like that. You're there. You're close. Seize the opportunity. I think Ryan Poles is going to. Let's go back to the phone lines. Mike is in Orland Park. Good morning, Mike. Welcome to Haw.
0: David, I respect everything you say. You've got a great show. You've got a great column in the paper. But your take on this Super Bowl is – this was—I've been watching Super Bowl since '72. That's the first one I remember. I was eight years old. This was the most garbage Super Bowl. And this, you know what this was? What? This was a week. This was a week 17. It was so sloppy. I mean, I don't care how it ended, okay? And I don't care who won. I mean, yeah, Mahomes is great. He won his third. Great. Okay. However, this Super Bowl. If this is the, the the future of Super Bowls. I don't. I don't. I have no interest in them. Mark. And I've been watching for fifty years. This was a garbage. This was a week seventeen uh, of the season. Sloppy. You know, by the end, and here, here's the here's the kicker. Okay, it, it San Francisco had so many opportunities to put this game away, and they just keep blundering and flundering. And yeah, sped, no, But I'll tell you one thing, and I, I'm off on a tangent here, but when when Reed retires, okay, Mahomes might not sniff a Super Bowl. No
1: way. You had come on, Mike. Really? Why?
0: I'll call you in 10 years, and you, we'll see where he is at that point. Because whoever they hand the Chiefs off to, and it's probably going to be Nagy at some point, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It, it, he will drive that team into the ground. He will wind up running, he will wind up running the ball eight times a game and, and throwing it 60. And it, he's just not a head coach. Yeah, great for Nagy. He won two Super Bowls. He's a hanger-on. Okay? <laughs> but when, when Reed is done, the Chiefs are done.
1: Mike, thanks for your phone call. I appreciate your take. Totally disagree. The last game to decide the Super Bowl champion came down to the last play in overtime. I don't care what happened in the first 30 minutes. The way it ended saved the day, saved the night, saved the season, saved the Super Bowl. That was tremendous theater. It was poetic, it was historic, it was Patrick Mahomes at his best. You can't deny greatness. And the 49ers sure couldn't. And we will talk to Alex Gold, who was there to cover all of the greatness for our Kansas City partners 6'10 in KC. And we'll talk to Alex when we come back on Haw.
3: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: 6 7 score. What does this title mean to you? This one specifically?
3: Man, I don't know, but I'm going to celebrate it with these people right here, man. Hey, on three, one, two, three. How about those? Chiefs?
1: Welcome back. It's Molly and ha, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, Molly out today talking about the Chiefs and the dynasty, and they are the champions of the world. Andy Reid talking about what the championship means to him. And what's he going to do next? What else would he do? He's coming back. But let's ask our guy in Vegas, now back in Kansas City, took the red eye, hardest-working man in Kansas City radio, Alex Gold from Tick 610 Sports in Kansas City. And Alex joins us on the Circus Sports Illinois Hotline. Download the Circus Sports app today. Good morning, Alex. How are you?
5: Hey, good morning. Look, it's all about adrenaline, right? How can you not be loving it if you're in Kansas City right now with what this team is? You said it. They have submitted themselves as a dynasty. There's no doubt remaining or questions about that. That's for sure with what they did last night.
1: Love your commitment. You took the red eye back. You're on your way to the studio. Take us into Allegiant Stadium right after the game. What was it like? Who did you talk to? The postgame scene had to be nuts. It,
5: it wasn't. You know, I mean, it's – Walk off a game, any game in sports, that's always going to bring some extra emotion, let alone at the stage that you saw last night in a Super Bowl and a crowd that, you know, throughout the entire game was pretty clear as a pro San Francisco crowd. But to, to be able to see from a Chiefs perspective uh, the quiet for a second there of the stadium while the 49ers fans kind of set in what had happened and then obviously the, the jubilation from the Chiefs' sideline, and then it just turned into a party on the field. You've got Travis Kelsey singing Viva Las Vegas and everything like that. And, uh, you know, the, the the locker room atmosphere, I, this was the, the first one that, that we had been able to actually to get into the locker room after the game, so I can't compare it necessarily to what Phoenix was like like last year. Um, but I can tell you there was more enjoyment talking to others that had been for this ride that the team went on because of – the struggles that they went through all year, you know, the the three seed, the, the fact that this was an offense that clearly wasn't the same, the fact that Travis Kelsey looked like he had lost his step. So I think deep down, uh, you, you heard from some of the guys last night that this particular game uh, and this particular season and ride uh, was extra special for them.
1: Where do you think the game turned in their minds? Coming down, coming back from being 10 down, you see the second-half adjustments, Kelsey one catch in the first half, eight in the second. He was a difference and obviously the offense functioned at a better, higher level. Mahomes did what he needed to do with the game on the line, but what are the Chiefs going to believe made the biggest difference down the stretch?
5: This defense. This, this defense, you and I talked last week a lot about just what they had been in the second half and yet again here they go and they, they stepped up when it mattered most and Nick Bolton, one of the Chiefs linebackers, spoke after the game and he was asked that very question you asked me from a defensive perspective and he said, you know, they, they, they put in some things at halftime, a longer halftime. It's 30 minutes while Usher's out there performing. And they actually added in a couple, uh, couple of plays at halftime and different looks they thought they could utilize, specifically in the red zone that they hadn't used all year. And that's a credit to Steve Spagnuolo, who's been phenomenal at adjustments. So I think overall... It was The turning point is just that this defense started to find a little bit of an answer uh, adjustment-wise, specifically for Christian McCaffrey. I know the final stat line shows that I think he had right at 160 yards from scrimmage, which uh, you would have thought would have have obviously put them in a great spot to, to win that game, and they were right there to win it. But they held him for fewer yards per carry than, I believe, than anybody else all season. And that was one of the adjustments they made. And so other than the, you know, the muck punt, which is a huge swing, I think schematically what they did defensively was the, the reason why they were able to, to kind of wait out their offense until they figured it out.
1: Talking with Alex Gold from 610 Sports in Kansas City here on the Mully and Hoss Show. Alex, when you looked at the reaction from McCole Hardman after the three-yard touchdown reception in overtime, it doesn't seem apparent that he's right away realizes what he just did. It doesn't seem that he knew the game was over when he caught that touchdown pass. Is that the case? And and was there some confusion over the overtime rules?
5: So he he denied it in post game. You may have even seen one of it. He actually tweeted about this. He denied not knowing what it was. But then there, there's another clip of Patrick Mahomes giving McCool Hardman some you know basically some you know what based off of uh, that sequence where I don't think McCool knew immediately. Uh, what was actually going on. It took him a half second. That's why the football, he didn't hold on to it. I think he kind of threw it off to the side uh, and wasn't able to actually keep the football. But Patrick Mahomes kind of alerted him right away. And, you know, I, on the Chiefs' side, I think the majority of the roster did know the overtime rule. That was the huge conversation in postgame. Uh, a lot of Chiefs players were asked about just the coin toss and how the 49ers handled that and why they deferred. Chris Jones was asked what he thought of that, and, and he said, you know, they're, they're, he thought they were crazy. For, for taking the, the football and not deferring uh, the 49ers, that is. And so I think on the Niners' side, there was far more confusion of the overtime rules. The Chiefs, uh, back in training camp, it turns out, actually talked about these rules, simulated it, uh, had already made the decision that if the Chiefs if the 49ers would have scored a touchdown on the first possession of overtime instead of that field goal, the Chiefs were going to go for two... Oh. So there was a scenario that they they were well-prepared. They knew what they wanted
1: to do. They were going to go for two if they scored a touchdown and the the 49ers had scored a touchdown? Correct. Wow. See, that makes me wonder then, okay, tables were turned. So when you have – the big debate was why did the 49ers take the ball in overtime? Because it changes the way they view things and it changes the way you you look at at, uh, the game. I also wonder if the blocked extra point hadn't been a factor, and it was 17-13 to 13, instead of 16-13, to 13, Andy Reid had fourth and goal from the six. Would he have taken the field goal, or would he have gone for the touchdown? What do you think?
5: Well, I think they would have had a go for it at that, that spot, even though the defense was playing very well at that point. I think – uh, after that, that was a Travis Kelsey play. Um, I, I think they absolutely would have been in a spot where they would have gone for it. Um, and that, that blockage point by Leo Chennault, just their, their second-year linebacker, turned out, I mean, it goes without saying, to be just a massive blunder and, and play on the Chiefs side, but a blunder for the 49ers. And just the, the, the deferring uh, aspect and, you know, the overtime, I, I think it's pretty evident why you would want to defer. I, I don't, I'm stunned for Kyle Shanahan, who I still think is a phenomenal head coach. Uh, But to allow the Chiefs then basically to have the advantage of knowing that they got four downs throughout the entire length of the football field to march down and ultimately score what was the game-winning touchdown, I just I think – I don't know if that was – something that we're going to look back on in five years and recognize that every single coach, if they end up in that spot, is now going to always defer. And he was just the last coach they didn't understand it, or the first coach they didn't understand it. Uh, But that that one's mind-boggling, and I'm sure something that 49ers fans are going to be sick about for many, many years.
1: Alex, we heard from Andy Reid, obviously asked the question about coming back next year. Of course he is. Where's he going? Patrick Mahomes is in his prime. I'd want to stay too. I have everything I need to succeed. How – Well-positioned are the Chiefs, though, roster-wise, heading into this offseason? We can agree that three titles in five years constitutes a dynasty. How good of a position are they going to be in to go after a three-peat?
5: So, look, they're young on defense. They're extremely young, one of the youngest, if not the youngest, defense in football. But they've got some decisions to make. Chris Jones, most notably, Uh, who once again came up with a big play late in that game. You know, they didn't get a long-term deal done with him. He sat out uh, in week one against Detroit. That whole issue is going to come up again. And prior to this game, I think most people uh, would admit that it's very unlikely that Chris Jones is back in a Chiefs uniform, which would be a significant loss, but it doesn't look like the financials could work out. Uh, Legereus Sneed, I think that's the player they are going to be able to retain, but Legarius Sneed needs a new deal. Uh, Charles Amenihue, who is great for them down the stretch, he tore his ACL, and so you may not have Chris Jones or Charles Amenihue uh, for the beginning of next season, so they're going to have to still figure some things out on the defensive line. We all know the wide receiver room is, is still an area they have got to address, despite how MVS stepped up and McColl Hardman stepped up. Good for those guys. Uh, and, and what they were able to do in those big spots, but uh, I think they'll likely drop uh, and cut, I should say, MVS this off season and eat some dead cap on that. Uh, but they, they've got to go out and spend some money in the wide receiver. But it's a young roster, guys. Like it, it's a very young roster. And you said it. You've got Andy Reid still around. He's not going anywhere. And Patrick Mahomes is only 28 years old. And so I think as we've learned this season, um, if you have Mahomes and Andy Reid, even in November when things seem, seem super bleak. Uh, <laughs> They're going to be in the hunt. you know. I I kind of laughed this morning when I saw the preseason Super Bowl odds already for next year, uh, and the 49ers were the favorites. Explain that one to me.
1: I don't know. I can't do it. Every year it's the same thing. All right, Alex, you have done a terrific job for us, bringing us the Chiefs perspective from Las Vegas. You're back in Kansas City. When you look back, last thing, quickly before we let you go, last night covering that Super Bowl in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium, any great moments you're going to remember that don't have necessarily anything to do with the game? But covering the spectacle around the game.
5: Yeah, I mean, look, I, you know, even on a personal level, level, I'll be honest. You know, just there's a brief period of time the locker rooms opened up, and you walk in there, and I still think talking to others, this one was even more impactful and, and joyful in that locker room because of everything they went through. And so, you know, it's a, you know, when you cover uh, a team, and you're fortunate enough to cover a team, uh, you know, when they when they pop the bottles, Travis Kelsey's popping bottles of champagne, and. You know, you're getting sprayed with champagne. Even as a member of the media, someone that that grew up here in Kansas City, it's a pretty special moment, and things like that you won't forget. And and seeing the pure joy from from players that obviously busted their asses all year, uh, it's always a cool moment. Like you never you never want to take that for 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 granted. And uh, so that's something that is probably going to stick in my mind on a personal level for for the rest of my life.
1: Alex, great job. Welcome back to Kansas City. Hope you have a great show today. We really appreciate your time and your effort throughout the week. Hey, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Alex Gold from 610 Sports in Kansas City with the Chiefs perspective, bringing us inside the locker room, on the field. Really did a nice job for us out in Vegas. All right, when we come back, more Super Bowl talk. What was the turning point? Did Kyle Shanahan blow it again? Why is he always answering questions about things that didn't happen in Super Bowl losses? This is his third. Is it him or just the circumstances? Let us know. It's Molly and Hall. Molly out today. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. I mean, we,
3: yeah, When I mean, when we go through football, like, and you watch it as part of our job, I mean, any play that doesn't work, you always think about that. Um, but in terms of, like, everything that we try to do, we try to prepare as hard as we can. Um, and we try to go in there and do exactly what we think is right based off our pre- preparation, what's going on in that game, and try to make the – what I can't live with is when I do stuff that I didn't plan on doing or that I didn't do and second-guess myself. And um, – I'm proud of what we did today as a coaching staff and as players in terms of we did – we worked and we did everything that we planned on doing. We just didn't get it done. And any play that didn't work out, yeah, you always look at that stuff. But that's that's how every game is, and that's what we work at.
1: Welcome back. It's Molling Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, that was the tired, defeated voice of Kyle Shanahan, who at 44 years old – is the best coach to never win a Super Bowl. And this is his third shot at it, second time as a head coach, the third time as an assistant coach in one of the most historic comebacks ever. I don't know that his legacy ever will not include 28-3. And moments like Sunday will only reinforce that memory and only re raise the question about whether or not he ever can do it and whether or not he's always going to be known as the best coach to never win a Super Bowl. And what happens to him in the Super Bowl? He had a 10-point lead. His third quarter. This is what happened. We talk about the game plan. Okay, this is why people are second-guessing a little bit. We can talk about the taking the ball in overtime, which I didn't agree with. You can talk about some other stuff, but it came down to, in the third quarter, your vaunted offense. You give credit to the chief defense, but your vaunted offense on the first series, three and out with a penalty. Didn't get the ball to Christian McCaffrey. Think that's a good idea. You get the ball back, your defense comes up with a stop, and you get the ball back in good field position at the Chiefs 44, and you go three and out without giving the ball to McCaffrey. What are you thinking? These guys become so smart, they outsmart themselves. Then, all right, you get the ball back again. And first down, after three and out from the Chiefs, first down, short pass to uh, Juwan Jennings, minus eight yards. Remember he tried to make a play, got thrown back, and all of a sudden it's second and 18. And then you go to McCaffrey. That's his first touch of the second half. And then he doesn't touch the ball again until the, once on the next series. And then the, the point is, is that when you start to look at what happened in the third quarter, things got away from Kyle Shanahan, and they got out of rhythm because they got away from McCaffrey. When you have the offensive player of the year, I think that you have an obligation to do everything within your power to get him the football. And then you know what? Give it to him again. And then you know what? Give it to him again, or find a way to mix things up. I love the Jawan Jennings double pass. That was a cool play. There wasn't an illegal offensive lineman down the field. I don't care what Boomer said at halftime. It wasn't true. Kyle Shanahan calls a very intelligent game. There's rhythm. There's surprise. There are things that always make sense, and he's always going to be the guy. If I had to hire a head coach tomorrow, He would be near the top of the list. Obviously, in the NFL, he's near the top of the list. You can't go five deep. Can you name five other coaches you would rather have than Kyle Shanahan? I don't think so. I don't think you could. But he's going to have to live with this. And it's going to become a gnawing thing. It already is. It's part of his legacy. Can't win the big one. You don't want to be known as a coach who can't win the big one. And last night, Last night, they couldn't, and I think a lot of his decisions contributed to that. Staying away from McCaffrey, taking the ball in overtime, even though his defense, as Texas continued to point out to me, I get it, his defense was gassed. Still, you have a strategy. There's a break in overtime. It didn't go, I mean, it wasn't as long as an Usher, you know, halftime show, but there was a break before the they got back on the field, right? Get some fluids, take some oxygen. It's the Super Bowl. You can be tired in the offseason. You've got six months until training camp. It's the Super Bowl. Kick the ball, put your defense back out there, make a stop, win the game, celebrate. Don't know what why he didn't do that. I don't think he explained it that well after the game either, unless I missed something, and that's possible because there's a lot of talking that was going on a lot of things we might have missed. But I, I did not see an explanation for – a good explanation for why they took the ball other than they wanted to dictate the terms. But they, they get the ball, they go 13 plays, and they have to kick a field goal rather than go for the touchdown.
4: Well, his answer was that he wanted he wanted to have the, the response. So he wanted to get points, something happens, and then they – because then it's over. After both teams touch it, he gets the ball the third time, and then they can – hopefully dictate the end, but unfortunately the defense allows the touchdown.
1: If Matt Eberflus did that in a regular season situation, we would be be laughing him, running him out of town, wanting to, and mocking the decision because it came from a guy that's a defensive head coach. If it was anybody but Kyle Shannon, I think there would be more of a universal consensus that this was a boneheaded move. And I think time, I don't think this is going to age well. I don't think this move in overtime, it's always going to be, it's the second overtime in Super Bowl history, correct? And the overtime rules have changed since the last one. This is the first one that we've had this kind of situation. And it's the first time where you can look at a, you know, a coin flip as being a pivotal call and decision. 773. He's 44, Dave. Relax on the legacy referendum. (laughs) It's... When he's 54, he's still going to have this loss on his record. How many more Super Bowls is he going to get to? You know what? I want to ask you this. In the next five years, who's more likely to get to the Super Bowl more often, Kyle Shanahan or Andy Reid? Andy Reid. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, you can make the argument that in the NFC, okay, he's got a clearer path than Andy Reid does than the Chiefs do. They've got Mahomes. Who you got? Purdy? Yeah. Pretty good chance you're not getting back to the Super Bowl. He's good, but he's not that good. He's not elite. Lions are going to be there. Eagles are going to be back. That division is improving. Here come the Bears? No, I don't know about that. Cowboys are going to be there. I I just think that you can't take for granted these opportunities are going to be there forever. When you talk about legacies, legacies are formed in Super Bowls. I don't care what age you are. So, yeah, he's young enough to get back. He'll be coaching for a very long time. Look at his dad. It's in his bloodlines. It's what he does. It's who he is. But I don't want to be harsh. Is it harsh to say Kyle Shanahan blew it? Probably. Probably. I want to take that back. I don't think he blew it, but I would have made a different decision in overtime. I would have gotten the ball to Christian McCaffrey more in the third quarter. And I would have tightened up my special teams a little bit. Muffed punts and blocked PATs is not what you want in the Super Bowl. And oh by the way, Christian McCaffrey, hold on to the football. The 49ers mistaked their way to a loss. They made so many mistakes. Uncharacteristic of them. All right, we are going to come back and talk to a good friend of the program, a Bears legend, Gary Fensick, close friend of Steve McMichael, former teammate, can relate and related a lot of their shared experiences and where they came from after getting cut elsewhere and then finding a home with the Bears and then becoming part of the greatest defense in NFL history. Gary Fensick can speak to what Steve McMichael going into the Hall of Fame means to him, means to Mongo, and means to the Bears organization and the city of Chicago. We'll talk to him next on Mullion Hodge, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.